And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, the preferred NBA podcast of valve trombonists everywhere. It's Sunday, October 9th, 2016, and I'm your host, Joe Borelli. Welcome back, friends. Yeah, it's great to be back. I know. I know you feel the same way about me as I do about you, which is that I love you and I miss you so dearly during the week. And I couldn't do this without you. I mean, I could, but what's the sense? Um, man, it's it's a wonderfully miserable day here in New York. It's really cold and rainy and I don't know, it feels very fall-ish out, which is really weird because like just two days ago it was in the 70s and it's sunny and it just, it's turned so quickly. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but there you have it. It's a, it's a really nice day. Not really, but it's a good day to do an interview. And today I have a very, very special guest uh, coming on the podcast. And um, we're going to do uh, probably, I think a sort of, I hate to do this to you guys again because I keep doing this, but a Sixers preview. No, this is not a Sixers podcast. This is an NBA podcast. But when you ask someone like my next guest, if they would come on your show and they say yes, well, you just have a listen and tell me what you think. Cool. Hey, uh, so I'm just going to introduce you. We'll go. I'll just uh, I'll edit out whatever I need to edit out from here. That's how podcasts work. I'm all in. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Super appreciated. Um, so on the line with me right now is Spike Eskin from the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. And uh, I guess you're WIP um, program director. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I when I do uh, podcasts, I am never speaking as WIP program director. I am only speaking as host of my my podcast. So, <laughs> so that is that is my job. But uh, the anything I say does not represent the beliefs or the uh, or the values of CBS radio or WIP. So great. <laughs> let's get that. Glad, yeah. Glad, glad we got yeah. that out of the way. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, you can follow Spike at uh, Spike Eskin on Twitter. And um, I guess RTRS podcast, right? You'll get that. Uh, yes, that is the Twitter is at RTRS podcast. Great. Um, well, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. I'm a big fan. I uh, usually listen to your podcast on the Sunday mornings when I go for my runs. But um, did that you yesterday. Know, let, let me, can I ask you about that, actually? Because uh, yeah, I do. So I just finished running and I always listen to music and I always sort of have to keep it up. And I think the reason I listen to music is that it's an opportunity. I love music and it's an opportunity to listen to music without anybody interrupting or bothering me. Like when I'm driving, I can get frustrated. And I've tried the podcast thing when I'm running, but I feel like I have trouble paying attention while I'm running. If I'm, if I'm trying to listen to a podcast, like I find myself spacing out and not paying attention. You don't have that problem, I guess. I actually think that's why I do it. Because <laughs> like, uh, okay. I pay attention to the podcast and not my running. So it's sort of the same, but different. Um, 
it allows me to space out and just like hone in on, you know, I forget about the fact that I'm like exhausted and moving my legs when they don't really want to move anymore, you know? Right. That, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, by the way, I think the reason I'd like to think the reason you agreed to come on the podcast is because I reached out to you on Twitter about running marathons since I know you've done a few. Um, and I did my first half marathon yesterday. Oh, how did it go? It went great. I, um, I finished in under just under two hours and for a 42 year old, I guess that's not too bad. But. No. Yeah. Look, it, I, I think um, what I told somebody, I remember when I, well, the, the reason I started running was I lost a bunch of weight probably about 15 years ago and I lost it. <clears throat> I was mostly just going, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just going to the gym and on the elliptical for like 80 minutes a day. And after I lost the weight, I got sort of bored of that and I didn't know what else to do. And my brother had started running. So I started doing that with the ultimate goal of running the L.A. marathon with him. You know, so I did Broad Street and I did the half marathon. But right. um, any anytime people ask me about time, the only thing that was in my head was that, OK, well, it's good to have goals, I guess. But if you're not going to win. <laughs> um, the only thing, like finishing seems like the goal to me. So right. if you, if you can finish without walking, I, I think even walking, I, I've walked a little bit in, in each, uh, marathon. So if you finished, that's to me, that's the, you ran 13 miles. Like yeah. I guess at a third, there, there was a point in my life where running one mile seemed ridiculous. So, uh, the fact that you ran 13 miles is huge, I think, you know, so congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I sort of feel the same way. I was a smoker for like seven years and I quit and I tried to, you know, sort of change things around for myself. And I started running several years ago, but I've never done more than like five miles at a time. This is, by the way, not anything about the NBA, but <laughs> I'm glad, yeah, yeah, I'm glad yeah. to talk about it with someone. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, so this was a huge achievement for me. I don't know. I, the thing about it, I agree with you as long as you're doing it and you finish, that's the important part. But as soon as you get that indicator of what they expect your time to be, like they yeah. show you on the website, they're like, Oh, you're projected it. For me, it was two hours and 10 minutes. I'm like, I have to beat that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I ran, I can't really, so I've had back and hip problems a lot for the last, um, I mean, I would say most of my adult life, but they got really bad right around, 31 so almost a decade ago and uh i had to i didn't run for like three or four years because of my back and mm -hmm. um i think i restarted probably three years ago or three or four years ago and my ultimate goal was to run broad street again and then to run in the exact same time that i ran it when i first ran it and i didn't i didn't quite meet it i think i was about five or six minutes um you know it was funny because i started what I what I realize older is that if I start slower, I can finish better. Yeah, exactly. I, I just started too like I was too conservative in the beginning, and I ran the last two miles at like eight minute miles, which is super fast for me. Yeah. But I just couldn't get back to it. So congratulations, it's something to be proud of. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, speaking of, and I was going to save this question for last, but we're going to talk about the Sixers today because I think that's like your. Yeah. That's what you talk about. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was going to save this question for last, but since we're already talking about running, I have one one thought. And since, by the way, I listened to your podcast this morning and you covered every single topic I was going to ask you about, which I should have seen coming. But well, yeah, but I mean, look, there's uh, we always joke that we're the only Sixers podcast, but there's like 47 of them, which is 
Oh, I'm um, aware. I listen to all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really amazing. I, there's no way there's another NBA team with that many podcasts. There's really no way. But we all talk about the same stuff for every time anyway. So, yeah, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. Cool. Um, but here's my question for you. The only original question I can come up with for this podcast was, if you had to choose one sixer on the current roster to go for a five-mile run with, who would it be? Oh, that's a good question. You can take your time. I'll, I can give you mine if you want. Well, it's funny. I, I, I've never been a run with somebody else uh, person. The only person I've ever run with is my brother. Uh, and we've, um, you know, and when we ran marathons together, we, we separated. It was, it's only been shorter runs. So I'm not much of a talker. But if I could run with anybody, um, so I wouldn't run with Embiid because I was, I'd be afraid that he'd get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, like, I think I would pick someone closer to my size so that's exactly what i was thinking go on please please go so i so then so that really narrows it down right so i you know i want somebody under six five um and i want somebody that i'm a fan of Mm -hmm. i like tj but i wouldn't say that i'm a fan um i would probably I would probably end up with Sergio Rodriguez, I guess that Ooh. would, and, and he's older. So, I mean, he's not old, but he's 30. Right. So I think it would be Sergio Rodriguez. And I know I said I didn't want anybody tall, but it would be Sergio Rodriguez or Elton Brand, I think would be my two. That is, well, almost exactly mine. I ended up with Elton Brand. I was like, but I yeah. also cheated a little bit. The, the, the guy I would go with would probably be Brett Brown. Cause I know he runs uh, anyways, yep. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Elton Brand, like the stories he could tell. And I imagine yeah. you've, you've probably heard stuff being around the team anyway, but. Well, and he's a, uh, a fantastic guy. And, and that isn't a, uh, you know, that's not to say that everybody else on the team isn't, but Elton Brand is a legendary guy. You'd, you'd have a hard time finding somebody who, would say anything to the contrary. So that right. would be fun. I think Elton and I, you know, he's, he's almost my age, so <laughs> I can't imagine he's super fast in five miles. So, yeah, but those guys are in really good shape. You'd probably be surprised. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, listen, so yeah. let's talk about the Sixers. Um, yeah, let's. So everybody knows that, uh, Ben Simmons is out probably for at least three months and maybe longer if you read all the reports. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what they would gain by by leaving him out further. But uh, what do you think about uh, what do you think is about his injury? Does it put a damper on the season for you at all? Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer. I think it's mostly a bummer because I was just excited to see them all together. Right. I, I, I know it sounds really it sounds basic that I was just excited to see him play, but I was just excited to see him play. I'm not bummed in that I have any. I'm not worried that he'll be injured his whole career, and I I think it would be uh, unfortunate if he didn't play this year. But I you know I'll live. I you know I've been through worse. Uh, we've all been through worse. Oh, yeah. But um, I I don't know. It's uh it's just it's a drag kind of. But if we the Embiid thing, you know, it's funny. You can really tell the difference between the diehard people and the regular people, because I think when Ben Simmons got hurt, I think a lot of regular people sort of checked out because Embiid to them is a, is an idea is a, you know, that will never come true and less of a player. But I think the people who have been on board for the last three years see him as sort of a symbol. And I think he sees himself that way, a symbol of what everyone has gone through the last few years because he's gone through it you know, in his own his own personal journey has been such a so difficult and such a bummer. So his success has been 
uh, it's funny to say a success, but him even getting on the court and showing flashes of what he can be has been so rewarding as a fan anyway that anything that we're losing not having Ben Simmons is is made up for to me with Embiid. I just think, and as I mentioned in the pod yesterday, I I, I think it's it's going to make them so much worse. And I know Ben Sim, I know historically stat guys will tell you that rookies don't make that big of a difference in terms of wins and losses, but I think it will make a, a major difference in terms of wins and losses for them this year, which is sort of a drag too. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I don't even know how really to feel about this. I'm, I was going to play this game with you called, how should I feel? But I think I can answer. Yeah. It on my own. <laughs> yeah. But you know, losing Ben Simmons is exactly what you said. I was so looking forward to just seeing him play with Embiid and just seeing him play all the, like in general, I feel like he's your point guard of the future moving forward. Maybe that's just my take, but I feel like it could be true. Um, and not having him on the court to grow with these other guys at the same time just makes this this season a little bit of a bummer. Again, like you mentioned, I'm not really concerned that he's not going to come back without injury, or I'm not concerned he's going to come back and get injured again. Uh, it just it's a bummer that like we, we've gone through how many seasons now with having injuries and having the main guy be you know out for the entire season. And I was really looking forward to seeing them all play together. Exactly what you were saying. Um, but that yeah. I mean, but like it's 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 so it's so funny because it's so expected and unexpected at the same time. Like I I didn't nobody expected Ben Simmons to break his foot. Obviously, you would have to be weird to expect that would happen. But really, uh, a Sixers player breaking his foot and missing the entire season possibly is is the most Sixers thing to happen ever. You know, yeah, it's (laughs) it's 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 very much an oh, of course, sort of moment. So I I think even the national media was like, oh yeah, of course, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's exactly what happens to Sixers. Yeah, it's a real bummer. It's a real bummer, Uh, especially if you watched, and I know you did, like the the summer league. Like he just his his passing is brilliant, just brilliant. Uh, And I think we're going to miss that during the season, even though like so far I've watched all three preseason games as much as I can. um, And it looks already as if like the passing is going to be so much better this year and their defense looks like it's going to be so much better this year. And, you know, again, it's preseason. But what do you think about that? How do you think like do you think that the addition or subtraction of let me rephrase this. Do you think that like. So it probably won't be as fun without Ben Simmons. You basically just answered that. Um, but I'm going to cut all this out because I'm just floundering. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, we never cut out anything of our podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm, it's the beauty yeah. of your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I cut out things at work. I don't want to cut out anything on the podcast. Oh, I don't want to make it. I never want to make it too much work. Yeah. Um, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, enough about like Ben Simmons not being around. It's it's a bummer. We both agree on that one. Um, here's another one uh, real quick. Uh uh, take about Joel Embiid since he's back and we finally got him to see, you know, we finally gotten to see him play. And um, everyone is really, really maybe overreacting to this just a little bit. Um, but is Joel Embiid actually the second coming of Christ? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's overreacting at all. I think there's, there's nothing. I, I couldn't get over it this morning when I saw his tweet that just said like processing with, with yeah. a picture of his dunk. So good. I, I, it it's almost as if they they took this basketball player and they took one of us and put one of us in his head and he is <laughs> he is handling the whole thing as uh, as one of as we would dream that he would handle it. I just yeah. I feel like I'm really scared that at some point 
we're going to find out that this was all like a, uh, I'm not saying this is the, the case, but, but this is like a PR stunt and he is, he is knowingly toying with us because <laughs> I, I feel like that is the other shoe to drop or the rug to get pulled out from under us. But him playing the way he has played so far, but reacting the way he's reacted and his public persona is so perfect that I, I don't, it, it he feels like the reward for doing for sitting through what we've sat through for the last not just the last three years but you know for Sixers fans who have been there much longer for the last fifteen but yeah. specifically for the ones who have who were um, all in on this plan I think how he's handling it has been quite a reward for all of us truly I, you couldn't ask for the thing is like not only is his uh, abilities or his potential so great? His personality matched with that ability is unworldly. It's like, yeah, it's it's basically opening a Christmas present and you get Joel Embiid. It's it's nuts. Like it's the perfect it's a, combination of, of yeah. It's exactly how we would have planned it. It's exactly how we would have planned it if we had planned it. You know, that's he's exactly the way we would have. You know, like, hey, what if what if we have him call himself the process, you know, yeah. like that, 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 it doesn't even seem real. Like how, how yeah. could he have decided that on his own without us telling him to do it? By the way, congratulations on that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, um, the, the bit that will never die. Yeah. The bit that will never, it's great. I love it. Um, yeah. He's sort of like, uh, Kelly LeBrock and what is it? Weird science or my science. Yes, like yes, you put him in a, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is what you come out with. Yeah, Joel Embiid is awesome, but I'm I'm a little bit worried that we're all a little bit too hyped about him. I'm still, and I know you mentioned this on your podcast yesterday that when you saw him play for the first time, you what you were like holding back tears of joy. Um, yeah, which I think is kind of awesome. I was, yeah, I was sort of choked up. I was just, I I like I think uh, maybe being older gives you a different sense of perspective on I think being older I was I went to dinner with uh, a few friends from high school last mm -hmm. night we get together they're the only people I still to talk to from high school but we get together a couple times a year and go out and I was talking to one of them about the place that sports has in your life now compared to when I was 16 I was 16 I lived and died with all of it and now you sort of you know once you have a mortgage and a wife and a you know you're you're and these guys are half your age it's yeah. fun to cheer but it's not life and death but I think it gives you a, a different perspective on life and that they are uh, these guys are people and his his journey seems like it is so diff it seems like it was so difficult and for him to fight back a second time is so um, it's uh, like I'm in awe of it, I think, a little bit. And he deserves that success. And I was I think I was just so happy for him that he was going to get to play basketball. He seemed so overjoyed by it all that it was uh, it was a really, really nice moment, I thought. Yeah, it is really nice. That's really nice of you to say, too. Um, <laughs> he he does seem like a great guy. And yeah, I, like for me, I if you put yourself in his position, like what would it take for me to work that hard after I broke my foot twice? Like I, at times, I don't even want to go to work when I have a bad day. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I can't do this job. Never coming back. Right. And he broke his foot and he's gone through so much coming from from Africa and and losing his brother. And it's it's an incredible amount of things he's having to overcome. And it looks like he's he might be really that good. So 
it's yeah. a it's it's great it's a great feeling for him i mean like you know I, he seems like a really great kid too and i say kid and it makes me feel old but yeah yeah well he is <laughs> well and and to your point about going to work imagine if here's okay so he gets drafted and he he gets what he thinks is healthy and he breaks the foot again he he doesn't have to you know, I'm I'm imagining he wasn't. I, I don't know what his life in in Cameroon was like, but I imagine he wasn't a millionaire. That's that's my guess, and he is now, and he's a millionaire whether he battles back and plays basketball again or not. You know, and he could half-ass it and get them to pick up that fourth-year option and really have twelve million dollars. You know, and mm-hmm. and never. If if you take twelve million dollars and you look after it correctly, you'll never you don't have to work anymore. You know right. you could you could put it in a standard interest bearing savings account and and you know and and be fine for the rest of your life. But he decided because he wants to do it to get back, which I think even makes it. You know, I, I, there are so many players who once they sign a big contract or something, they just don't care anymore because right. why care the goal is to get the money uh but he got money and he's still he's still doing it so i think that is even even greater when you turn when you talk about how uh uh how much he's battled back to do it i think yeah that's true that's a good point i hadn't even thought about that the the contract thing we see it happen all the time i can't think of anybody else at the top of my head right now but um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's like, it's, it's such a credit to him and to Sam Hinkie, honestly, who I'm a huge fan of. It's like to stick with him, to stick with it through his whole tenure. Um, and obviously he lived and died by it, by that choice. But, you know, I, I'm, for me, when I saw the game the other night, I didn't even know how to react. I just felt like I, I'm watching him play and I feel like I'm having an out of body experience of sorts. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even react. It's, it's, like there's nothing to compare this to. This is never again. Zilgaskis is like the only comparable injury, but nobody's ever come into the NBA and missed their first entire first two years with a broken foot and come back and done anything that I know of. Nobody's no nobody. Forget about broken foot. Nobody's come in, missed their first two years due to any injury and done anything ever. Right. You know, if if we're talking about missing completely, not playing one game, and he. Then, then that 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 list is zero people. Yeah. Uh, so it it's sort of unprecedented, and it makes you worried, of course, that he will uh, that he will get injured again, and of course that's possible. But I I was with you. I was um you know I I was sitting watching the game, and uh, my wife came down from upstairs, and I was like, Joel Embiid is playing. He's playing. <laughs> you know, it's it's it it's a we have we we've taken great joy in very tiny victories a yes. lot over the last few years, and this it seems like another one of them, but it doesn't seem any less valid. You know. Oh, absolutely. Um, all right. So anyway, Joel Embiid is definitely the second coming of Christ and I'm not a religious yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, let me think what else? Sarge, Dario Sarge, or I'm sorry, Sharich. How, how are we supposed nah, to say it I'm now? Not do- <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing the Sharich thing. I, right, I can't, yeah. it feels like, I don't know. It feels I'll, like I'll you're lying be- a little bit, right? Yeah, I'll be like knowingly ignorant about it. I'll be a gross American and not say yeah. his name right. I, I think. We do that so often with so many other players that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not worried that that uh, that he'll be offended or that I'll look stupid. I don't care. I'm not doing Sharich. I don't, I don't like don't how do that it. sounds. Stand, stand yeah. against it. You and me. You and me, Spike. We're yeah. gonna be the only yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, I doubt we'll be the only ones. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. He'll never know who I am, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I had a thought though, watching these games like last night. I guess he didn't do as well. Um, he still looked really damn good to me. 
But do you think there's a chance that he could win Rookie of the Year? I was thinking about this yesterday as we were doing the podcast. I I just don't think, you know, uh, I don't think he will touch the ball enough. Like I I just I can't imagine his statistics. There, there's still so many people that vote on how many points, how many rebounds, how many assists did you get, right. and I I find it hard to believe that he will generate enough offense on his own to become that player. Now, what we know it's not going to be, we know Ingram won't generate enough offense for that to be the case. Right. Obviously, Simmons uh, won't be the guy either. So maybe it's it's more up in the air than it would have been. I just think somebody on a shitty team, and maybe that's him, but I, I think somebody on a shitty team will end up being the... Um, the guy, for lack of a better word, and and score 17 points a game or 16 points a game and end up being the the rookie of the year. But the I, I don't know. It, it, it is more open than I think anyone would have guessed before. I think Simmons would have been the was the odds on favorite. So, you know, it's probably a lot more open now. Do right. you think it's possible? I, you know, there's a part of me that feels like there's an outside chance. Yeah, because like, I mean, he, I know you think he won't create his own offense, but look at the offense he generates around him just by the things he does. Like, I know you were talking about how he seems a little slow on your podcast. Um, and like his defense maybe isn't going to be that great because his lateral quickness is very not great compared to some of the other like people he's going to be playing against. But his passing ability and him making shots. I think it's just going to open up the floor for so many other people around him. He already seems like he's a man playing a man's game, whereas a lot of the other guys coming in right now don't seem like they're ready for the NBA game yet. I just think that maybe that sort of because he played in Europe for the last two years and he played against grown ass men, that maybe that sort of thing like will help him, you know, turn some heads. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's still a long shot, but. I, I, I just think what you're talking about – so think about what you're talking about, but in terms of a – think – okay, let, let's let's take what you're talking about it and put it in terms of a, uh, a winning team and the MVP race. Okay. That kind of player rarely, if ever, wins MVP, you know, like yeah. unless they generate the sort of numbers that make people pay attention. So, so take that ideolo- ideology and move it toward – the because basically what you're talking about him being is the Igadala or, right. or whatever right. you know not not the same sort of player but but the same right. sort of value for for a team that will win you know somewhere between 15 and 25 games right. so you, you're the, the the odds of him and fairly I think to a certain point too the odds of him garnering that sort of attention for being like a does all the right things kind of guy on a bad, bad team seems really unlikely to me, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe I, he just, uh, I, I just, I can't imagine he's going to touch the ball enough or shoot the ball enough or really his, his year. I, I think in the best case scenario, he's playing 27 or 28 minutes a game, maybe 30. I don't know. Scoring 11 points, five rebounds and four assists, which is a nice, a really nice rookie year. year. Right. But, but is not rookie of the year. Sort right. Of stuff. I don't, that's true. I mean, and like, there's clear evidence of it from when MCW won the won the uh, rookie yeah. of the year award. Like, he put up all the counting stats in the world, and everyone was saying he's not good. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the same thing. He does like I think Sarge is going to make the guys around him better, obviously, and yeah. in sort of yeah. the equal way. 
um, who was one of my all-time favorite players, by the way. Um, well, even even throwing that when when you look at that that um, that Embiid dunk, and he was wide open, Embiid was, but the vision that Saric had from where he was to see through two players and get the ball to Embiid. Um, with that pass is a really grown up sort of pass. You know, it's a it's a pass that you have to have had made in your head before you even got the ball. You know, you had to know where you were going. And I thought he makes plays like that a lot. His court awareness. He plays a lot older than he actually is. And, you know, having said that, like, I think that maybe part of the reason he wouldn't get rookie of the year is that maybe people consider him not really a rookie. Because he plays yeah. so grown up, you know, so that could actually yeah. hurt him too. Even if he would yeah. put up the counting stats, which I agree, I don't think he's going to touch the ball enough. But it does seem like Brett Brown really likes having him on the court. He seems like he yeah. does a lot of good things. For the, I mean, it already seems to me that the passing, of course, we have Sergio Rodriguez now. And, you know, it seems like the passing is going to be so much better this year. Their, their defense, yeah. just their three games, the defense and the passing already seems so much more improved than it was last year. And I don't know if that's a credit to Brett Brown or if it's that they actually have people that can play now on the court. What do you, what are your uh, thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, here the reality is that we don't really have that many more guys that can play on the, or, or veteran, the veteran guys that we got. Um, we got, uh, let's do this again. I always forget. So we got Gerald Henderson, we got Sergio Rodriguez, and who's the third guy that I'm forgetting? Um, I always forget a, a third guy. Is there a... I, uh, well, Alden Brand, but that doesn't really count. Uh... Yeah, isn't, isn't there a third vet that I always forget? <laughs> you said Gerald uh, Henderson, oh, Jared Bayless. 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 Oh, Bayless. Yeah, okay, yeah. So Bayless isn't on the court. Um, uh, Rodriguez was a, a total failure last time he played in the NBA. He's better now, right. but like, you know, he's... He, and he's he. There's no way he's improving the defense. No. no. Um, and Gerald Henderson has has not played that much. Nerlens has not played that much. Uh, Oak, now maybe it helps that Okafor hasn't played. I don't. I don't see on the court who they've put on. Like they've only put two rookies on the court. Of Sarge is on the court now, and Embiid is on the court now. And I don't know who else they put on the court that is a better defender than than they had last year. So. Um, it's I, uh, for some re- you know. reason it to me it already feels like their defense is much improved. I don't know if maybe just having Joel Embiid in the center and he seems like he's he's in the right spots all the time. And Sarge seems like he knows what he's doing. He can't always cover, but he's he's in the right spots and he knows where where to yeah. be on defense. It just seems to me that they're already going to be much better. And Gerald uh, Henderson obviously is a way better defender than anybody we had last year. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I, I'm not, I'm not ready yet to make any. The only you mean to tell me after pro- three preseason games you're not ready? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the only proclamation. Well, it's funny. I'll say that I'm not ready to say that the defense is better, but I did say yesterday that I'm ready to say that they're going to be really bad, like really significantly bad again, because I just the the passing is better. I, I just don't know how they're going to generate offense it, it's going to be really hard to generate offense when your two best offensive generators are low post players in 2016 one of which is a disaster on defense and the other one probably won't be playing more than 20 minutes for the first half of the season so it's I don't know there's a, a lot there's a lot to work itself out still you know right. I me I, I hope it's all better I, I think the addition of Rodriguez the addition of Saric makes the passing much better and I think the addition uh, and hopefully the overall I, I think Henderson will 
um, the and ho- hopefully the overall like just vibe of the team will be more of a, a share of the ball kind of team. And it looks like TJ McConnell is better than he was too. Not not significantly better, but fifteen percent better overall than he was. So that's a good percent. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. 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 He, he does I'll seem like it. he's flying around the court a little bit and like he his yeah. handle seems like it has gotten better. Um I don't know if it, it wasn't yeah. bad last year, but he seems like he's a, he's he's really making some sort of Ish Smith like cuts down in the in the low post and they're getting around. Um Well and it's it seems like he is more willing to lay the ball up. Like, you know, watching him previously, he was so um, he would get to the, the rim and then just run out of the lane because right. he didn't know how to get the ball up without it getting blocked. But he he figured out this little layup thing where he gets it on the glass right away, where he almost, um, you know, uh, he makes everything a reverse almost and uses his body, the, his back to shield a shot blocker and puts it on the glass right away and it makes it harder to block it that way. Um, so, so it looks like he's a little more willing to lay the ball up, which I think makes him more effective too. Yeah. And then there's Jeremy Grant who speaking of ball handling and getting a little bit better. I think he's, he's gotten a little bit better as well. Uh, it seems like his handles gotten a little bit better, a little tighter and he's got, he's improving that outside shot somewhat. What do you think? Yeah, he, he's still a little, um, He's still a little deer-like in like his his drives uh, are. He's like sort of a spastic version of Thaddeus Young mm, at this yeah. point. When he, you know, Thaddeus Young figured out a way to use that first step to get to the rim in like in like two dribbles because right. he couldn't dribble. And it, it doesn't seem yet that Jeremy has figured that one out. I I still think if he if he if, if that shot is only at least half legit and it wasn't even half legit last year but if that shot when wide open is legit if he can hit those shots where he when he's wide open he becomes a really valuable player but that he needs that to happen yeah otherwise it's just an athlete he's just a guy who can block some shots and dunk it but he needs i think he needs that that it's much more likely that he becomes an efficient uh, wide open jump shooter than he becomes a ball handler at all. I yeah, think. for sure. I and mean, he still has this propensity to get blocked when he's going up for a layup. He, he yeah. reminds me so much of Evan, Evan Turner in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, like it's the same, it's the exact same player. They go up, they take the ball to the rim and they right in traffic and try and go up with the ball and they get blocked every time. It's the same damn thing. And yeah, hopefully he develops that outside shot. Cause I really like Jeremy Grant. And I think he has a, a place on this team coming off the bench. Just for his athleticism, yeah. you know. It's yeah. I, I'd like to see. I think. I think the reason he gets blocked so much is that when he goes to the rim, I don't think he knows what his plan is. I, I think he he's figuring it out as he gets there, and I think he's trying to use his athleticism to get that shot up. And in the NBA, everybody's a great athlete, you know. And sure. I I think that's that's probably. I think he needs more of a plan of what he's going to do when he gets to the rim. And I think uh, if he figures that out, it's probably will probably cut down on getting blocked as much as he does. God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about yeah. Rashawn Holmes? So here's, I've been listening to like, you know, all these not Sixers podcasts that exist out there. Um, yeah. And there's a, there's a couple of people that are talking about the idea that Rashawn Holmes might be better than Nerland's Noel at this point. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I think that is silly. I yeah. think that is, I, I think it's a, you know, it's so funny. We, over the last two years, 
all we've done is tell everyone that the that the counting stats and the offense and those things that everyone else is looking for were not as important because of the difference that Nerlens Noel makes defensively right. in, in all facets, not just shot blocking, but switching on defense and and steals and as a team defender that we were saying to everybody else, you don't know anything about basketball. Look at these advanced metrics. Look at all the ways that Nerlens Noel is valuable and the ways that he's not valuable don't really matter that much because that's not what we're looking to do. And then we see Rashawn Holmes, who is clearly, I, I think, there's there is no argument that he's a better offensive player. He's a stronger offensive player. He's got better hands than Nerlens Noel does. Yes. And and but as a team defender and as a rebounder, he still is not not close. He, he's not close. And I'm just not ready to say, oh, okay. Well, Rashawn Holmes is the same type of player that Nerlens is in that he blocks shots and he dunks and he is he's better dunking than Nerlens is on his own you know in, right. in traffic in I would traffic, trust sure. Rashawn more yeah but that that's not what we said Nerlens was ever good at and right. I there's he's not as good at that he's not going to change the game he's not going to save as many points he's nope. not going and and in, and I promise I'll stop no but in no a, honor, in a, please <laughs> in a, but in a real NBA game Rashawn Holmes is not. He is he's the last guy that you're worried about getting offense from. He's you're not running plays through him. So so those these 22 point games that he's having in preseason games are nice, but they're not real world games. He's not going to do that. I just I am fine with Nerland dunking uh, in alley oops and blocking shots and steals. And I don't think Rashawn Holmes is even close in those latter two things now. I, I think Rashawn Holmes is better than I thought he was, and he has a place on the team as a bench big for sure. Yeah. And I'd rather have him than Okafor for sure. <laughs> but I, 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 I don't think that he is in the class of Nerlens yet. Maybe one day he will be, and I'll be proven wrong. But that I've heard a lot of, of Rashawn Holmes is basically just Nerlens Noel. Like that's silly. That doesn't make any sense. I don't. No. I don't think that. I don't think he's close yet. I, I'm totally. I totally agree with everything you said. I think that. What Nerlens Noel does, you can't really teach at this at this level. I mean, Nerlens came in with this ability to be this good on defense, to be able to cover on on, on ball handers on like if you're switching out and he can he, he can block everything in the lane. He can switch out onto perimeter defender or perimeter guys with the ball. He he his quickness. Sorry, I'm getting really excited about this. I need to yeah. calm down for just a second. His his lateral quickness. And his his vision for where the ball is and how to cover and and be in the right place on defense, I don't think Rashawn Holmes, as much as I like him as a player, is not even close. You're comparing apples to oranges. And the idea that just because Rashawn Holmes is better on offense does not make him a better player at all. No, no, because he's not – he's better on offense, but he's not like uh, – Not significantly he's not, better. He's not, not – He's not like good. He, he's not good on. All, he's right. He's, he's not Lamarcus Aldridge. He's not going to step out no. and hit every shot he takes. You know, it's yeah. The, the, he's not changing. He's not changing the game on offense. He's a nice guy to have. And if they trade, if they end up trading Noel, he is a you know he is a a a suitable guy to pick up some of those minutes. Right. You know, because he he can block shots. But he's um, I, I will I will need a bigger sample size of. And I haven't looked at. I've only, you know, seen total rebounds, but I haven't looked at rebound rate uh, for him so far in the preseason. I'll check that out. But I, I'm going to need proof that he becomes a 
you can't and here's the other thing i can't on one hand say that i don't that that history shows that becoming a that going from a bad defensive rebounder to at least an average defensive rebounder is really is hard that that skill doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. really develop in the years i can't say on one hand that okafor will never be a good defensive rebounder because he isn't now and then on and then on the other hand go well rashawn holmes was just as bad a defensive rebounder but i believe that overnight he's become an adequate defensive rebounder i i can't say one for one thing for one guy and another thing for another guy because that i think that's a little hypocritical too oh for sure you, yeah yeah you'd be like one of the people running for the presidential anyway um right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. I think I think you summed it up very, very well. Um, I think that uh, what was I going to ask you about? Maybe what what are your hopes for this team going forward this year? What would you really love to see? One thing that you would, well, not even one, but give me something that you would really love to see the team do this year. Like you're expecting them to grow in ways defensively, offensively. Uh, what would you really like to see out of the team this year? You know, I just want to see, I, th- I think, uh, beyond the obvious, you know, we want Embiid to be healthy. We want, you know, all the, all the beyond the obvious things that we've talked about this year is that I, I want to see a level of competence and cohesiveness that we have not been able to enjoy yet. We've, we've only been able to enjoy in spurts, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, I, I would say that the times we can look back on over the last three years and let's say post post um post Evan Turner Spencer Hawes Thaddeus Young era like once those guys were gone I think the the only time that we've seen a level of competence and cohesion is the first 10 games each time that Ish Smith came here and there was a a moment at both of those times where I don't know maybe they went three and seven or four and six in a 10 game stretch and they looked cohesive and they looked like they were know what they were doing I, I think my hope for this year is that I just want to see a basketball team that isn't embarrassing for long stretches of time. And that sounds like such a small <laughs> ask. I think but it's, I, uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty I, big I, ask I like at this point. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I, I just, I just, I don't, I, I like, I don't, I don't have it in me with, with Hinky not here and, and, and the, the page sort of turning mm-hmm. in terms of their approach. I don't have it in me to stand up for, you know, they've lost 14 in a row, but this is all part of the the plan. I right. I, I just I don't have that in me anymore. I, I'm not going to stand up for Brian Colangelo. I'm not going to stand up for, you know, if we're going to go and sink some money into Gerald Henderson and Sergio Rodriguez and Jared Bayless and and all of this, I want a le- and the fourth year of Brett Brown, I want a level of cohesion that doesn't they don't have to win 25 games and they don't have to win 30 games. But but they do have to not be embarrassing for long stretches of time. And that's all I'm looking for. I think that's so, reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's what every Sixers fan has gotten over the last three, four years. Like they've been just embarrassing at times. But, you know, that that makes me think, like, what happens? What do you think? So if the Sixers come out this year and they lose their first 18 games again, do you think they make a change at, at head coach? I mean, I love yeah. Brett Brown. I think he does a fantastic job i don't think there's a better person in the nba to have kept these guys together the way they've been for the last three years than brett brown i think he like i don't know much about coaching i've never coached it seems to me on the outside looking in he's been phenomenal at what he does sometimes his rotations aren't great um you know with rotating guys in and out 
But otherwise, overall, I think he seems like a fantastic guy. I think he's a really good coach. But do you think he's in danger of not being the head coach after like the first quarter of the season? Yeah, I I, I don't think I, I don't think he I, I don't think they're looking for a reason to fire him. Right. But 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 if you're Brian Colangelo, you're uh, what your goal is as a manager, what you're what you want to do is to and this is anyone's goal as a manager is to put your stamp on what you're doing and have your guys in the positions to, you know, that the goal of a, of a successful manager is to hire the right people and let them do their jobs and 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 uh, motivate and lead. But ultimately to have your people run um, run their departments successfully that's what you want right. now it's possible that taking over an organization that there are people in there that you're like wow well i like that guy i'm keeping him there and um and i'm good with that but but i think the leash for those people is a lot shorter than it is for somebody who you have brought in yourself and who you believe in from the jump and i i think the worst part about the ben simmons injury is that it opens up the um, because I think they'll be so much worse. It opens up the the tolerance for Brett Brown's for this team being bad and Brett Brown getting away with it um, to be lower. Now I don't know that that's fair. I don't think that that's fair. I think it's he can't work magic. You know right. his his after after all this after all this nonsense about Sam Hinkie not getting a point guard. Here we are going into the season without really a sufficient point guard we have a bunch of backup point guards right right and even jared bayless is not really a point guard right. he's, he's not a point guard so here we are again in the very same spot we've been in for the last few years so i think he is in danger because if they go owen 14 owen 10 owen 7 oh somebody <laughs> well no really because their first i think four of their first six games are at home or six of their first eight or something like that and okay. there are there are winnable games in there if 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 this team is atrocious and they're on the verge of going zero and ten, he could lose his job. I think I, I, they're going to they are going to want someone to put this on, and the obvious person to put this on will be Brett Brown, and that would be a shame. For but sure. I think it's I think it's possible. It's always the head coach. It's always the guy you put it on. But yeah. you know, and I agree with everything you're saying. But I think you have him on a little bit shorter leash than I do. I don't know if I'd fire him after zero and seven, but yeah, there's definitely a danger there. Um, I think also that Brett Brown sort of is, I don't know if you want to call him a cult figure around Philadelphia, but I think he's beloved by the fans. And I think they were probably just for that reason, and they know they're going to be bad to begin with, they'll probably give him a little bit longer of a leash, don't you think? I don't know. No, no. no? I, I really I, think I they'd be willing no. to, yeah. I, I think you're forgetting about, I think the, the thing with Sixers fans is that we, we have created an insular world uh, over the last couple of years where we're all talking to each other, but we're ignoring the the other people and we're only we're only a, we're a, a small percentage of the the sporting um, public in Philadelphia. Sure. And I think there is there is a good deal of people who say even some of us last year was like, hey, what's up with Brett Brown's play choices and rotations? And yeah. I, I thought all that was nonsense but th that was even coming from our people i think there is a good deal of people who are like brett brown that they like him and he is an honest guy and they believe they want him to be a good coach but they also say the same thing they also say hey this guy has not won this guy has won fewer games every year 
um, and has won 37 games or however many games they've won or 47 games in the in three years. Three years yeah. And and he's and he's responsible for it. And I think they will they will they will make him responsible for it. Uh, so I think it's possible. I, I it's not. I don't think it's crazy. Is it crazy to fire a guy 10 games into a season? Sure. But it's not crazy to fire a guy 10 games into the season in his fourth year. You know? So, yeah, that's true. That's uh, a good point. Well, here's hoping that they come yeah, out on fire and they don't have to fire anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. I mean, honestly, even if they, they win their first two games, that buys him 20 games, you know? Yeah, that's I, true. So, Yeah. Well, I think that's about it for uh, for me. Okay. Spike, I want to thank you so much for giving me the time and coming on. I super appreciate it. Um, yeah. Anytime no you want to come on and say anything about Sixers or NBA related in general, you have an open mic. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you got um, it. And uh, and congrats on the uh, congrats again on the half marathon. Oh, it's I the perfect you. distance. I, I will I will tell you this. Not that you asked. A regular marathon is a ridiculous achievement <laughs> and awesome, but is way harder than a half marathon. Yeah, I'm sure. Way <laughs> harder. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Just, at, at mile 10 yesterday, I was thinking, man, this is great. I, I will do this again next year. By mile 12, I was thinking, how in the hell does anyone do a full marathon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I remember when I ran the first one, I, it was years ago. I'm trying to think. It was probably 13 years ago or 12 years ago. And I ran in L.A. and I carried my cell phone with me. And I ran when I when I crossed the the halfway mark. I called my mom and she was like, you're almost there. And I snapped on her and I was like, I am not almost there. I, I, I have to run 13 more miles. Like that's a long time. So, um, yeah, well, thanks time. again for having me on. I sure. really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I'll be listening to the RTRS podcast as always. Yeah, that's what I like. To do. Thank you. Take care. All right. See you. Well, there you have it, Spike Eskin of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Thank you, Spike, so much for your time and coming on. If uh, you guys have never listened to the RTRS podcast, check it out. It's apparently the only Sixers podcast out there, but it's really, really good. Spike is a great host. Um, so in the coming weeks, I'm going to have more interviews and more guests on the show for you guys and bring you more awesome NBA content, not just about the Sixers, but around the NBA as well. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to reach out and touch the show, there are several ways to do so. You can email at the superflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at superflightpod on Twitter. You can tweet at me personally at Joe Borelli on Twitter. You can follow along at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And if you listen, leave a review and rate so that other people can find the show too. Anyway, it's been awesome. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.